Well, good evening and welcome to the Marriage Reform Prayer Call. My name is Kim Moore and Amy Bernal is greeting you and we bless you in the name of Jesus. I thank God for her help uh, in making this happen and keeping me on track with what we need to do. I'm so excited to uh, just uh, tonight, I don't know, I just had this excitement from some of you who are on the morning call and I tell you something providentially happened on the morning call, and I don't even fully understand it, but I have been spending time with God and in the Word all day in preparation, and I tell you what, um, I just am looking forward to God doing some amazing things in marriage this year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you again. I thank God that we've entered a new year, a new decade, a new era. And so, again, I thank you so much, all of you faithful regulars uh, on the call and those all certainly joining us for the first time. We couldn't do it without you guys. I mean, you, you really are the strength of the line. I mean, I can't imagine uh, just showing up by myself. Of course, if I had to, I would. Uh, when God gives you something to do, you, you do it. And so we are here, but we appreciate so much you making it easy for us to show up and to declare the word of God in the area of marriage. If you're joining the call for the first time, again, I welcome you. Thank you for sharing your time with us tonight. We are believing God for kingdom marriages. Typically what happens on this call is we'll open in prayer, I'll share a kingdom principle, and then we pray the scriptures related to that principle. Uh, Just for sake of new people, a kingdom principle is a truth that applies equally to husbands and wives. Um, Tonight will be a little bit different because I really believe that this message is is key for what God is doing in terms of marriage as we go forward. Uh, And so what I want to do over the next five weeks is I will be giving you five differences between traditional marriage and kingdom marriage. And typically this call is about 30 minutes in length. Um, But tonight I want to ask your permission to allow me to indulge you further um, because I I don't want to hurry through what I believe God has given me. And it is new for many. It may be new for you. It may not be new for you. It may be a different spin on something that you've heard. But nevertheless, when I have gone and taught this, I I mean, inevitably, uh, I have heard people say, wow, I, I didn't ever looked at it like that. And so I want to take my time to make sure that I communicate well with you so that you can take it, uh, go study the scriptures, look them up, as I always encourage you to do. Um, I also believe that these messages over the next few weeks have the potential to revolutionize the way you think about marriage and inspire different conversations about marriage in your, in your home and in your churches and your marriage ministries and across the nation. So that said, if you have to jump off at 930, I certainly understand. There is no insult to me at all. I just want to get make sure that this message gets out. And also, before I get started tonight, I want to qualify a few things, because I believe that whenever you share something new, you need to make some things clear so that people don't run off on tangents and take things out of context. And so what I want to do is just give you some qualifications um, before we jump into this. The first one is this. There is not a separate gospel message for men and another for women or husbands and wives. 
gospel truths, kingdom truths apply to all equally. We must begin to understand that in marriage, that there's an aspect of marriage that, uh, that, that transcends our gender, our maleness, or femaleness. Number two, we must be careful not to treat instructions in Scripture as gospel truths. Instructions can be gender-specific, gospel truths are not. And that is, you know, it's one of the scriptures I read tonight. You'll see instructions, but oftentimes it is treated as a truth uh, applicable to all. Then number three, traditional marriage is working for some. And where it's working, both husbands and wives experience freedom, love, and a sense of personal safety and power, and they're producing. These marriages are producing something greater than either one of them could alone, and not just children. I mean, we can look at businesses or ministries and and wonderful things that are happening in this traditional or through this traditional marriage. And so we bless traditional marriages that are working. We want you to keep going. We need you. We bless you, and we honor you and the longevity of some of these relationships. And then number four, uh, for many people, though, traditional marriage is not working, and we can no longer just faith our way around the topic with empty confessions. We just can't faith our way through it. We can't just not talk about it. We just can't confine our efforts to prayer. We've got to do more than pray. We need revelation. We need teaching because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, and we can't continue to to win the world, and lose our own homes. We can't fight so vehemently for everyone else and lay down our weapons and our warfare in our own homes. And then number five, kingdom marriage does not negate traditional marriage. And I feel the need to say that because this is not a condemnation of, of, of a traditional marriage. I like the analogy uh, of an upgrade. It's like... Um, it's like uh, trading in a Toyota Camry for a Lexus. Um, it's like uh, trading in a Nissan Altima for an Infiniti. Or it's like going from the entry model Mercedes to the top of the line Mercedes. And so although they have some things in common, the actual uh, emphasis and quality of things are different. Entry-level vehicles, they're functional, they work, they take you from place to place, but often they're without the bells and whistles. Traditional marriage I liken to uh, an entry-level model. The emphasis is on function and getting you from place to place. It works for some, but less less attention is given to the experience each one is having while driving and getting from place to place. Kingdom marriage adds form and finesse to husbands and wives' relationships. And more than just getting there, kingdom marriage emphasizes the experience of each one. So I look at kingdom marriage as an upgrade. You know, we upgrade everything else in the, in the church and, 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 and in our methods. I mean, there's nothing that we have. We're not wearing 20-year-old clothes. We're not driving, you know, 50-year-old cars that left, left to a car show or down the street to, to just show it off or just to be in it for a few minutes. But marriage is one of the only areas that, that the church has not experienced an upgrade. And I declare to you that the church is in and due for an upgrade. Number six, my desire is that husbands and wives experience more freedom, love, and personal power in marriage. So they don't have to step outside of marriage. 
so many married husbands and wives, you know, just don't don't feel fulfilled in their relationship. And so they step outside, and not just with other people. It could be with work. It could be ministry. It could be anything um, to avoid having to deal with the discomfort uh, that's occurring in their own relationship. Then number seven, and this is important, um, kingdom marriage is not about usurping husband's authority or position. It's not about husbands and wives. This is not about a, a fight for equality. You know, we are already equal according to Genesis, Genesis 1, I think, 26. But we're also very different and very unequal and beautifully so. And so this is not an attempt to, to, to subvert that, overturn that. It's all of God's glory. All of it works together. And then uh, lastly, let me just say this, um, for those of you who may not know me at all, the revelation, this revelation that God has given me on kingdom marriage that I'm going to be sharing over the next several weeks is new wine. I mean, it's aged like 25 years in a wine cellar, like of suffering and praying, seeking, going through my own, you know, challenges and, and, and different things, seeking God and studying. And so it, it's fresh. It's born out of a crucible. And so it is precious to me, and it's precious to me that God gives me the opportunity to share it with you. I've published curriculum. I have curriculum in, in churches. Uh, one of those uh, curriculum is called Radical Love. I've written chapter books and hundreds of articles on marriage. As well, I've been a general session speaker at small and large conferences and churches, women's, uh, women's and marriage retreats and seminars and workshops. And since 1995, I've counseled and coached husbands and wives to experience more freedom, love, personal power in their relationships. I have observed people come to me divorced and leave remarried. And so I know the power of God personally, experientially, uh, through the work that he has done uh, through me. And lastly, I do understand and I accept that when some taste new wine, they will say that the old is better. And they'll do that for many reasons. And that really is okay. My prayer is that the audience for whom God intends this message will hear it, receive it, and be converted. And most of all, that they will experience greater freedom, greater love, and greater power to perform his will through married life. I believe that every couple has an assign, assignment from God, individually as a husband and wife and collectively as a unity of units. Each one has a unique and special assignment that requires all of the gifts, skills, and abilities that are inside of that relationship. So having said that, let's get started. Father, I just thank you for entrusting me with a kingdom message on marriage. I share your desire to set your people free, to set husbands and wives free, God, that they might yield to Christ like never before. Lord, I thank you that you have, that you have given us the mind of Christ, Lord, and you told us to allow this mind to dwell on the inside of us, Father. So we enter your thoughts tonight, God. We enter your word tonight, God, and we ask that the Holy Spirit would illuminate it like never before, God. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that husbands and wives who hear and receive your mind will be converted and experience more of your glory and your power personally, relationally, and in their God-given assignment. 
Father God, we gather in your name tonight because we believe that you are and that you are the reward of them that diligently seek you. We also understand that without faith, it is impossible to please you. So we bring our faith to you tonight, God. And, Father God, we set our hearts to understand, God. Now unstop our ears and lift any scales from our eyes, Lord, that we can see into the spiritual realm like never before. Father, I thank you and I praise you and I bless you, Father God. Now, Father, you said your people will hear your voice and another they will not follow. So speak now, Lord. We're listening. For surely I speak not of myself but of you, God, who have given me this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, tonight I want to talk about the first distinction between traditional marriage and kingdom marriage. And the first distinction, first thing we really have to talk about is the model that they're built on, because they're built on different models. A model is a framework. It's a structure. Um, It has systems that, 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 that are used to support the structure. It enables us to build something, to imitate or follow a pattern of something. And usually when we have a model, if you think of a a model car or a model of a building, it's usually a smaller scale version of the original. Well, marriage is a smaller scale version of Christ in the church. Paul says so in Ephesians 5.32. He says, marriage is the beautiful design of the Almighty, a great and sacred mystery meant to be a vivid example or model of Christ and his church. The Amplified says it this way. This, this marriage mystery is, great, is very great, but I speak concerning the relation of Christ and the church. So models have systems that support it. For instance, the model of humanity is the human, is the human body. And all normal, healthy human bodies have, are, are recognizable because they share a lot of things in common. And each, but each body is also supported by systems, you know, like the skeletal system, the muscular system, the circulatory system. And all of these systems work together to give life and sustenance to the human, human body. Traditional and kingdom marriage are built on a model, on different models. And they have things in common, but the emphasis on these things are different. And so based on the respective model, there are a set of beliefs, thoughts, attitudes, actions, and behavior that support or go with each model. And after we finish this series, you'll be able to listen to anybody and understand really quickly what model they're coming from. And it's important because as you hear and as we go through this, you'll have to decide the model that best fits or suits your relationship. So the model, uh, we're going to talk about two models. The first model is the traditional model, and there's the model of traditional marriage is hierarchy. The model of the kingdom marriage is relationship. So let's talk about traditional marriage and the hierarchy. Usually when um, we're talking about traditional marriage, typically we begin with the scriptures, Ephesians 5, through 25. And I could just, you know, when you even say that word, when the pastor minister says, open your Bible, we're in the marriage series, open your Bible to Ephesians 5, you can just feel, you know, the, the, some of the women pulling back and resisting. <clears throat> and sometimes I think that's because 
you know, wives have been uh, shamed and guilted into this whole idea of submission. As well, I think husbands guilted and shamed for not loving their wives. You know, I haven't asked in a long time, and I'm, I'm not a husband, but I do wonder how men feel sometimes when, when the pastor or minister says, we're in the marriage series, open your Bible to Ephesians 5.22. Let me, let me read to you now what it says. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, let me just point this out quickly before we move on. Remember I said kingdom truths apply to men and women. This is gender specific. It is an instruction. And instructions come with contingencies. But that's a whole other message. I just want you to get this idea, the difference between an instruction and a truth. A truth applies to everyone. An instruction implies, an instruction can apply to everyone, but an instruction can also apply to a husband or to a wife. And this scripture illustrates that. But from these scriptures, we see the emphasis plainly, the focus, the importance, the weight is placed on order, chain of command, hierarchy. And these are typically the verses we hear when we begin to talk about kingdom marriage. I asked one time, I said, I wonder, you know, what verse other than Ephesians 5, 22 through 25 would you start a marriage sermon on? And it was just interesting. Um, you know, just how little and few responses there really were. Um, and so <clears throat> when we listen, I'm not condemning hierarchy. Hierarchy is good. It's necessary when we're trying to get something done together. When the hierarchy is producing something greater and to the enjoyment and mutual benefit of both husbands and wives, it works. Because hierarchy is, is designed to do something. It's designed to perform or achieve or accomplish something. I want to use this example. I want to use this example because it's real and relatable. And I want to apologize in advance if this example offends you. However, we are all adults and we are adulting tonight. And so I want to just venture for one moment in the bedroom just to illustrate what I'm talking about, because I think we can all grasp this. The number one position for sexual intercourse is husband on top, wife on bottom. This is a picture of hierarchy. It's a vertical positioning. And from that hierarchy, from that position, they produce something greater than either one of them could have produced on their own, babies. So get it. They are in a hierarchical position, they are interacting with one another, and they are producing something greater than one another. That's hierarchy. It is designed to produce something greater. But when the lovemaking is over, the husband gets up and they assume or move back into a horizontal position. I mean, can you imagine a husband living on top of his wife 24-7? Some of you probably just say, yeah, I, yeah, I can. But really, think about it. It's not practical, nor is it life-sustaining. 
you would have to get up to go to the bathroom, eat, go to work, do something else. So it's really, while it might be a novel idea to some, it's really not practical, nor is it life-sustaining. Hierarchy is intended to produce something greater, and when it doesn't, it becomes a problem. And that's what we're seeing in marriage today often. We are in this traditional mindset of hierarchy, but it's not producing a greater. And so there is discontentment. There's unhappiness. There is why am I here? I'm tired. I'm bored. Because it's not producing. Listen, anything producing, when you are producing something greater than yourself and you're benefiting by what you're producing, you're anything but tired or bored. I mean, you're ready to get up in the morning and start the next thing because, wow, look at this. This thing is growing. This is happening. It's bigger than us. And that's what God intends, that we would multiply, always multiply, and coming together that we would multiply. But when hierarchy is being misused and it is not producing something greater, it will, the, the marriage, the relationship inevitably, inevitably breaks down. And it breaks down, and worse, it's being misused. Abuse, neglect, exploitation are examples of the misuse of hierarchy. And although a disproportionate number of wives tend to suffer from the hierarchical structure, husbands also are the victims of wife abuse, neglect, and exploitation. Let me say that again. Although wives historically have disproportionately suffered in the hierarchical arrangement, there are husbands that are victims of abuse, neglect, and exploitation. But also, you know, the, the hierarchy, it breeds unrealistic expectations. I mean, think about it. Um, a wife who believes it's her husband's responsibility to provide. And so although they are desperately in need of different uh, additional resources, she stands on the word of God. She stands, well, a husband is the provider. He needs to provide for me. He needs to take care of me. Well, let me explain. The scripture says, um, that God will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. Now, it brings God great pleasure when husbands provide for their wives and their families. But please understand, your God is not limited. A wife's God is not limited to what her husband can provide for her. Let me say it again. God will supply all of our needs. And so when our expectation and sometimes unrealistic expectation, given the way he has performed, uh, or, or, or just maybe it could be legitimate. You know, perhaps he has a disability and can't work, or whatever the case may be. Wives need to understand that God is their provider, and he can use his, their, her husband, but he's not limited to her husband in providing for, for her. And then there are those that use hierarchy to hide from taking ownership and responsibility for who they are and what they do. You know, I find it interesting that, you know, husbands that don't read their Bibles, don't go to church, they can recite Ephesians 5.22, wives submit. I, it just boggles my mind how of all the scriptures in the Bible, husbands who uh, are not um, uh, engaged in a relationship with the Father through his word know that scripture and use it regularly. No, God designs marriage for mutual fulfillment, productivity, prosperity of the husband and wife. He, he desires us to experience health and wealth spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically, and that through marriage our individual and collective divine purposes are fulfilled. 
Hierarchy will enable you to produce something greater, but hierarchy seldom will produce intimacy. That brings us to the model of kingdom marriage. Kingdom marriage is based on the model of relationship. Because as I said at the beginning, I believe the deepest desire of husbands and wives is to love, to be loved, to experience intimacy and vulnerability, to be naked and not ashamed. And that's when we were created. So even if we deny it, it's still the way we were created. And something in each of us longs for that, whether we're male or female. Listen, all of life is based on relationships. And relationships are based on our ability to connect. At the end of the day, at the end of the communication, I believe that husbands and wives want to be able to connect deeply with each other. And so let's just talk about kingdom marriage. So when we talk about kingdom marriage, we got to start at John 1.12. Why? Because when we talk about kingdom, we're talking about a realm. We're talking about um, a, a a for lack of better, a geographical location, a place. And that place, every kingdom has a king. And so when we talk about kingdom marriage, it is marriage in the context of the kingdom, not in the context of our humanity. See, traditional marriage oftentimes is in the context of humanity. And so we start ordering each other. And so I want to take you and give you a, a, a elevate the conversation and say that marriage is better understood and engaged from a kingdom perspective because we have much more available to us in the kingdom than we do as human beings. So let me read a few scriptures. John one twelve says, but those who embraced him and took hold of his name were given authority to become the children of God. Again, that's a kingdom principle. It is not, uh, it applies to males and females, those, whoever embraces him and takes hold of the name of Jesus to them, to him or her, to both are given the authority to become the children of God. We believe that in kingdom marriage that um, we believe we're, we're born again of the spirit. We are spirit beings first human beings second, male and female third, husbands and wives fourth. And I'm just delineating that so that you can just see clearly what we're working with. So kingdom marriage recognizes the spiritual status as a hus- uh, of the husband and wife as kingdom citizens first, each one having all the rights, privileges, and responsibilities of citizenship. There's not a separate kingdom manual for men and a separate kingdom manual for women. There's not a separate savior for men and a separate savior for women. There's not a separate kingdom truth for men nor that of women. Kingdom principles like love, forgiveness, submission, dominion, protection apply to husbands and wives. And husbands and wives are expected, as kingdom citizens, we're expected to adhere to the responsibilities of citizenship. Even in this country, we have citizenship, and people that want to become citizens, they have to study. They have to take a test. They have to learn what our nation values and believes and some of uh, the civic responsibilities of this nation in order to be granted citizenship. 
Well, we have many people in the kingdom that haven't studied citizenship. We have many husbands and wives. Yep, you're married, but we didn't study the citizenship requirements. And so we're navigating our marriages based on human understanding and a few scriptures that we've managed to piece together. So again, while the instructions to husbands and wives vary, kingdom principles apply to them equally. Traditional marriage, and here's an example. Traditional marriage emphasizes submission to wives. That's an instruction. Kingdom marriage emphasizes submission as a kingdom principle. With Jesus being the example of submission, the ultimate example of submission. Why? Because it's a kingdom truth. God hates unsubmitted men as well as he hates unsubmitted women. So it is a kingdom principle. Here's another one, protection. As women, we desire, I want, you know, as a woman, I want to be protected or feel the protection of, of a man or that men, if I'm out somewhere and, a, and, and something goes down, that a, a man will jump in and protect. But please understand, the nature or the need or the principle of connection is also built into women. Example, if you let someone touch one of your children, a wife's child, you will watch what happens. She will rise up to defend that child with or without her husband. She will lift up a car to get her child from underneath being stuck in a car, and that really happens. So inside of women is the ability, the spiritual and natural ability to be able to protect. It's a kingdom principle. And so husbands and wives are responsible for protecting each other. So, again, that's just a couple of examples. And as we go on, everything we talk about from this, this further, we will illuminate on some of these things uh, a little bit further. Number two, in the spirit, there's no distinction between male and female. Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. When Genesis 2.24 speaks of the two becoming one flesh, it's for telling us about the Messiah. The scripture doesn't say they are one flesh. The scripture says they will become one flesh. That's future tense, and I believe it is speaking of Jesus Christ and us becoming one in him. Ephesians, uh, uh, and Ephesians 1 and 2 talks about it because you have to think about in the kingdom, what is God doing? He's making one new man out of all of us. He's making one new person, one new uh, human being. And Ephesians 1 and 2 talk about what all kingdom citizens have available to them in Christ. And then let me read to you Ephesians 2, 14 through 16. For he is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. Let me pause there for a second. Ephesians 2 is actually talking, Paul's talking to the Gentiles about the Jews uh, and their relationship with the Jews and how they were foreigners and afar off, but in Christ God brought them together. Now here's the, the, the truth. While it is talking about the Gentiles and the Jews, while it is talking about the Gentiles and the Jews, please understand the kingdom truth is that Jesus is our peace and Jesus made Jews and Gentiles, males and females, husbands and wives, one, tearing down the dividing wall of hostility. Where did the hostility between man and woman come from? Well, you've got to go back to Genesis 3. When, they blamed, when, when Adam blamed Eve, 
when after sin and God confronted them, Adam blamed Eve uh, for the sin and Eve blamed the serpent. And then you will know how it goes on. It, it talks about how the relationship was set up in a hierarchical fashion um, and, and emphasized in that particular way. I remind you that is a part of the curse. That is part of the old way, the old uh, system, and grace is the new system. And what Jesus did in Ephesians 2.14, he said he made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility in his flesh. He made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from two resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put hostility to death. So if husbands and wives are going to refrain, if men and women are going to refrain from this animosity and this hostility that even we see in our country today, it will occur in the name of Jesus. That's why I say marriage is the best testimony because in marriage, God demonstrates how uh, the oneness and how male and female flow together. And so we are the best testimony against all of this gender fluidity and, you know, confusion and all that other stuff. When husbands and wives are in Christ at peace, then we are demonstrating to the world what God intended through male and female and husbands and wives. And then kingdom marriage, again, I said, emphasize the relationship. It develops around the idea that husbands and wives are spirit beings living a human life as male and female. And God creates each one with the need for love and intimacy and connectedness. It's about being together and being free. You know, it's sad to me when I hear husbands and wives say they don't feel like they can be themselves around their spouse. What? They don't feel like they can be their, 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 themselves around their spouse. Or they, need new, they, or, they need new, or they need space. It's amazing to me if you look at the history and even consider, think more deeply why man caves were created. That's another message. And I'm not condemning you if you have a man cave. I'm just simply saying let's look into these things that are happening. Um, and so it's really sad when we have to get into our separate places and build places uh, and to, to have this sense of me, this is me. And, um, and women do it too. I've seen uh, little things out in the backyard. They take a little shed and decorate it. So it's not just men, it's women too. But, you know, the thing is, I don't think that's God's ideal. You know, God wants not only us to, to produce things and accomplish things, he wants to, us to experience something together. He wants us to experience his love together. He wants us to experience his, his presence, his forgiveness. He wants us to experience it inside of marriage. So kingdom marriage is concerned about the ride. It's a luxury vehicle, and each one of us has to decide whether we can afford it. You know, hierarchy, as I said before, it cannot produce the, 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 the degree of intimacy that husbands and wives desire. Let me wrap up by saying this. Let me give you three scriptures. And I want you to note the position of Jesus relationally uh, in these scriptures. The first one is John 1 and 2. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. 
Now, we know that Jesus is the word. He is the word that became flesh. He was with God. He was God. So relationally, they were equal. They fellowshiped and communed as equal. And even though they had different personalities, they were equal, and yet they were uniquely different in personality. But they were fellowshipping. They were communing. They were relating to one another. They were enjoying one another. They were pontificating, you know, just about creation and all of those kinds of things going on. They were in relation. They were being together. And then Philippians 2, 6 through 8, who who existing in the form of God, speaking of Jesus, Paul is, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So in John 1, we have a relationship, a relationship of equals. And then here, Jesus, uh, Paul points out again, there's still a relationship of equals, and yet Jesus didn't exploit it. Rather, he chose, was not required, was not coerced, was not forced, was not demanded, was not preached at, but chose to submit to God to accomplish redemption. And redemption was something that neither one of them could have accomplished alone. Why? Because God needed someone on the ground in the likeness of human being in order to redeem man. And Jesus, once he died, would have needed someone to raise him from the dead. So redemption was not something that either one of them could have just, you know, could have done on their own. And so that's the beauty of hierarchy. It, it, it enables you to accomplish together what neither one of you could accomplish alone. But it didn't start with a hierarchy, and it doesn't end with a hierarchy. Ephesians 1.20 says this, God exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavens. So Jesus goes from a relationship of equality and a horizontal posture in John 1 to assuming a hierarchical or submissive posture in uh, Philippians 2, 5, uh, 2, 6 through 8, and now he is eternally in a relationship of equality in a horizontal posture with the Father. So it starts out relationally equal. They assume a hierarchy to get some things done, but they move back into a relational hierarchy. So let me say it this way. Marriage is a relationship of equals that depends on hierarchy to accomplish together what neither could alone. So understanding these two models are really, really important. Why did I take the time to explain the kingdom aspect of the model of relationships? Because marriage has to fit into a context. And part of, one of the challenges, we've taught marriage out of context. And when we teach something out of context, we're not going to get the intended outcome of the maker of the thing or the context that is designed to facil- that, that facilitates it. So it's like using something contrary 
to the way that the, the maker intended it. Uh, and so the maker isn't responsible. You know, I, I use the example if, if um, you know, I don't know, if, if we use um, bleach and we put it in food, God forbid, and then somebody eats it or drinks it. Well, we've used the bleach in a manner that is contrary to the way the manufacturer has prescribed. The manufacturer is not responsible for the outcome because we violated the, what the intended use of the product. And what we see in matter today is a violation of the, of the, the product or marriage from the way God intends. And so kingdom marriage is an attempt to reset or upgrade God's original intention. And his original intention is to gather all things in one in Christ. Go back and read it in Ephesians 1, that in the fullness of time, he's going to gather all things in one. And you and I, as, and, and, as Christians and as husbands and wives, we get a jump start on it because we can participate and take part in the unity of Christ by choice. God, the day comes when it happens, and there's no more choosing. It will happen when God brings all things in Christ for judgment. And so we have a blessing, a gift, and an opportunity to take part in the kingdom before um, and ahead of others, and also just to lead others into the kingdom. As I said before, when we finish this series, you'll be able to listen to people. The way you listen to people will be different. Why? Because you need to know what, they're, what the model, what, what they're building on in order to, to understand whether you're going to come, um, take part with a traditional model or a kingdom model. And again, I'm going to say it, that I am not condemning kingdom marriage. I'm just saying we're in for an upgrade in the church, and kingdom marriage is an upgrade, and it begins with us being and recognizing that we are kingdom citizens before we are husbands and wives, and that kingdom citizenship should be what governs our behavior and our interactions with one another, because when it does, we have the best chance of flowing into a hierarchical relationship to accomplish the things that God has assigned each family to do, each husband and wife. Now, a brief summary of some of the things I talked about tonight and in the next few weeks are in a short book I wrote for a conference I was going to. It's called Marriage Manifesto. It is only on my website. Like I said, it's kind of a, a scratch draft kind of thing, but it will talk about some of the principles and as we go forward. And it's available at moreonrelationships.com slash resources. That's M-O-O-R-E. At onrelationships.com slash resource, forward slash resources. And don't forget, Jumping for Joy, we will be in Montgomery, Alabama on Saturday, January 25th at 12 noon. We will, we're going to begin at the state capitol, as many of you know, or if you're on the call for the first time, God has, we believe God is sending us to the 50 states. We are up, we are, this call is, uh, represented by, I think we're up to 27 states. So if your state is not represented on this call and you would like to make a commitment to take this journey with us, then please, please let me know. You can email me at Kim at Moore, my last name, M-O-O-R-E, on relationships.com, and let me know, hey, Kim, I want to take the journey with you. I'm committed. Let's do this thing. Let's see God make some turnarounds and upgrade marriages. So in 
on January 25th. As I said, we'll be in Montgomery, Alabama. That is the first state we are going to. And after we pray and declare the kingdom uh, at the Capitol, on the Capitol steps, then we're going to fellowship at one of the local eateries. We'll talk about the kingdom, and we will take your questions and answers. So if you're in Montgomery or around the surrounding area, please, please join us. We welcome you. Love to hear from you. If you do, uh, just let me know that you're planning to take part. If you can, if you're not in the area, then please keep us in prayer. This is a huge, huge undertaking. And I understand that we are challenging some of the things that have held husbands and wives captive for a long, long time. And I just believe that God wants to set husbands and wives free. I used the example the other, I was talking to a lady and I said, you know, that one of the challenges that I see in marriage is we've got two lions trying to live on a backyard. You tell me how that works. And so we have to expand the territory. We have to create space for husbands and wives to be who they are individually and collectively in marriage. And so please pray for us. The opposition is fierce in the spiritual realm. And then, and, and possibly because Satan knows the power of a unified husband and wife. And also you can invest. If you can't, can't go, please pray. And, but you would always would receive your financial support to help married couples and to set married couples free as we travel from state to state and pray and speak with husbands and wives. To learn more about Jumping for Joy, you can go to moreonrelationships.com, excuse me, forward slash joy, moreonrelationships.com, forward slash joy. And again, um, to those of you who are already praying and are investing in this work, we're grateful. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for making it easy for us to do ministry. Well, um, let me give you the replay number. Oh, let me tell you this. Yeah, uh, man, wow, Amy's husband was here uh, this weekend, and um, he helped me to set up a podcast. Yay, John! <laughs> and um, actually, we are on Spotify now as Marriage Reform with Kim Moore. So check us out on Spotify. I think I put the uh, messages, not a lot of there yet, but I put some of the messages on divorce and remarriage up there. And if you think you know what the scripture says, you might want to check out those messages. And I'll also put this message up there so that it's a one-click. If you put Spotify or download the app on your phone, it's Find Marriage Reform with Kim Moore. Click on it, and you can scroll through and see what we have, and we'll make sure this message is posted up there. And for those of you that aren't on the computer, the replay number for today's call is 605-475-4980. The access code is 341-000-POUND, and the reference number is 81-POUND. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, as this was a little different tonight, God. I pray that you would divinely intervene in the hearts of husbands and wives. Father God, we want your mind, your working mind that was in Christ. We receive it and take it unto ourselves. We embrace your word. We hold it dear to our hearts. We meditate on it. For you said if we meditate on your word, 
Lord, day and night, that we would make our way prosperous, God. Lord, we thank you and we praise you that your anointing is breaking the yoke off of husbands and wives, God. I see them jumping for joy, shouting, dancing, clapping, God, because they are free in Jesus' name. You said in your word, in Galatians 5.1, that you came to set us free for freedom's sake, God. And, Lord, we're going to teach and preach until every husband and wife that you have ordained to be free is set free in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for your kingdom, and we receive it now. You said your kingdom is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. And so, Father, we receive your kingdom tonight, God, in Jesus' name. Do unto us all that seems good to you. Only let us dwell with you all the days of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I love you. I bless you. Thank you so much. I welcome your questions, your comments. You can comment on Facebook at Kim Moore Ministries. You can email me with a comment or a question. Thank you so much. Share this message. Let's change some things in the area of marriage in the church. Let's give that. Let's get some upgrade. Let's do some things differently in Jesus' name. Well, we will see you on the call next week with difference number two. God bless you, and good night. <laughs>